Turn if, with me, if you will, to John chapter 4, verse 35. John 4, verse 35. We're going to talk about preparing for the harvest. We're going to get our hearts prep, prepped and ready for what God wants to do in our lives and in the church. And so today is really a preparation time for you. And we're going to share some things with you that maybe you've never heard before, some things that you have heard before. Uh, but I think it's uh, going to empower us uh, and prepare us to be harvesters in this harvest that God has for us. Now, if you know much about John chapter 4, you know it's Jesus' interaction with what we call the, the woman at the well. Do you remember the story? Jesus had been traveling with his disciples. They were wearied in their journey. In fact, it says in John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. How many of you know sometimes Jesus needs to do some things and he works through us primarily to accomplish those? He needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, you know that to the Jews, they were a low-caste, outcast type of people. It was not common. It was not allowed. It was not good for Jews to interact with the Samaritans. They were the, hey, they were considered the lowliest of lowlies. And that's where Jesus needed to go through. And you know the story that they went through and they found Jacob's well there and they sat down by the well and the disciples went on into either into Samaria or some other town close by, probably another town close by to find something to eat. They were hungry. And there Jesus was sitting by the well and along comes the woman at the well and she was there and and Jesus said, could you get me a drink? And that began a convo. The convo goes like this. She knew he was a Jew. And she says, why? I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? This is not right. You're not supposed to be talking to me, you know. And you might get in trouble. I might get in trouble. You know, it's just... And, and long story short, Jesus became what I call a nosy pepper. He got, he got jalapeno business. And he began to interact with her. She started trying to be religious. And he got right into the middle of her world. And he found out... That she, the, the man she was living with, she wasn't married to. In fact, she had been, she had what we call shacked up, I guess, with five others. And so she was what we would call an immoral or a loose woman. And Jesus got all up in the middle of her world and he began to tell her all the things she ever did. And she went back to Samaria and she told all the people she knew that come see a man who showed me and told me everything I've ever done. And so all of Samaria, many of Samaria began to come out to the well to hear from this Jesus. And by that time, the disciples had come back and uh, Jesus is interacting with the disciples. And he says this to them. He says, let's begin in verse, oh gosh, 34. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Here's verse 35. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, what he's talking about, if you get the context, all the people from Samaria are headed to the well. I want you to get that in your picture. They're headed. And Jesus says, hey, disciples, get your eyes off the groceries and get them on the harvest. That's, that's my meat today is to do the will of him who sent me and get your eyes on the harvest. He said, look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. He goes on to say, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. So he's talking to them about a different kind of harvest. He's not talking about wheat and corn and, and all those things. He's talking about the harvest of souls. 
He says, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and those who reap may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And he goes on to say, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Everyone say, he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so that's the illustration, and that's where we want to begin today as we think about some things that will prepare us for the harvest. And as I said earlier, 2015 has been designated. I have, I have, I believe under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, designated this year as a year of evangelism and harvest. Everyone say evangelism and harvest. And my prayer, and this should be our prayer and our hope, is that our eyes would be open to the fields that are white unto harvest. I pray that your eyes are open to the fields, that you would begin to lift up your eyes and look. And even this holiday season, we, you know, Jim mentioned we always Christmas times to come in and we think about all the things that we want or get or all the things that we have to buy and all those things. And we kind of lose the insight about what it's all about. I pray we would use this holiday season as a time of, of, of lifting our eyes up and looking at the harvest. When you go to the mall, God bless you when you go to the mall. But when you go to the mall, you know, I almost went to the mall yesterday. And even though it was a, you know, Josiah was with us and he got sick and we didn't get to go to the mall. I felt bad for Josiah, but I was glad I didn't have to go to the mall. That's just me. But when you go to the mall, look around you and realize and lift up your eyes and realize that the fields are white already under harvest. And our hope and prayer is that all of us this holiday season, as we move into 2015, that we would open our eyes and begin to see it's harvest time. I want you to tell two or three people it's harvest time. Tell somebody it's harvest time. Also, my hope and prayer is that our heart for the harvest will begin to awaken within each of us. That we would begin to think about others. We'd begin to be burdened about others. We'd begin to care about others. And we'd take time for those that we might consider insignificant or unimportant or taboo, if you will, and begin to share with them the glorious joy of the Christ of Christmas. You see, in John chapter 4, Jesus reveals some simple insights. He see, he reveals some things about where it all begins. And it's kind of interesting to me. It begins this evangelistic effort that undoubtedly the Holy Spirit had in mind because Jesus, it says, he needed to go through Samaria. How many of you know God loves the down and outers? God cares about the down and outers. He also cares about the up and outers. Hey, he loves us all just the same. And, and Jesus knew that if he didn't go through Samaria, no one else would go through Samaria. And he was with his disciples, wanted to teach them that, hey, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what religion says. Everybody, uh, hey, everybody's important to God. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. And so Samaria was on Jesus' hit list, if you will. I think we all need to make a hit list in a good kind of way. 
I'm coming in for the, for the, not the kill. I'm coming in with the life of the word of God. I'm going to hit the world strong with the love of God and the care of, of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and it begins where we least expect it. It began really with a immoral woman. How many of you know God? He'll, it doesn't matter to him. Hey, whoever's available, the love of God is available for them. It began with an immoral woman in a downcast or an outcast community called Samaria. And it also began, interesting thing, with the words of the Lord. As, as we look to this, it began with the words of our mouth. It begins with the words of our mouth. Because look what Jesus said. In John chapter 4, verse 35, when the harvest was about to come, he said, do not say, everybody say, do not say. Interesting to me, when Jesus, and he wasn't talking about natural harvest, he was talking about the spiritual harvest, the harvest of souls. He was saying, don't say it's still four months and then come, comes the harvest. So here we see an immoral woman a low-class Samaritan community, and the first thing Jesus says, watch what you say and don't undermine what I want to do. He said, don't say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. He said this, he said, uh, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. You need to understand something. Our words are powerful. You know this. We've read this in many different places. Proverbs 18, 21 says what? Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. And when we're thinking about harvest, we're talking about life. You see, Jesus come that we might have what? life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus' plan for Samaria was to bring them the life of God in their life and to life them and cause them to be, be convicted of their sins and respond to the word of God and be born again. And the first thing he says to his disciples, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Don't say that this is not harvest time. It's harvest time. Don't look at the Samaritans and go, ah, no, no, I just don't feel led. You know, a lot of people do that, you know, when, when, when God loves everybody and you say, well, we need to, we need to help the, well, I, brother, I just don't feel led. I heard a guy tell me one time, if you need to feel led, put a fishing weight in your pocket. And then you can just touch it and feel led and go on and obey God then. Amen. But hey, Jesus, when he looked at the harvest, look at this. He clearly links the harvest of souls with the health of our words. And that's the point I want us to really think about today. As we, as we are moving into a season, what I'm declaring a season of, of, of evangelism and harvest, that what Jesus' first words were his disciples, your words can make us or break us right here. We're, we're moving into a harvest moment and what you say determined. Did you know your words can undermine the will of God? They really can. Our word, God may have a plan for your life. He may want to bless you, but you may not feel like he wants to bless you. He may want to do this, and he does. And many times because of, I don't know what it is, doubt, fear, and all those things, our words undermine the will of God for our life. And God forbid that our words would undermine a season when God would want to use us and use this church for a season of great harvest and increase. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You see, our words can undermine. That's why Jesus said, do not say. Don't say that. Everybody say, don't say that. 
but they can also underline. What did Jesus say? He said, don't say then four months comes the harvest. He said, behold. Everyone say, behold. He said, behold, I say to you. He said, this is what he's saying is, this is what you need to be saying. This is what I'm going to declare over you. In fact, that word behold is a, is an imperative command. It's a, it's a forceful word that he says, behold. He said, Hey, listen up. I'm going to give you highly important information here. Hey, it's harvest time. And don't undermine harvest time with your words. And so that's where we begin. We began in a place where most would not think you would start when you start thinking about harvest and increase. We began by the power of our words. Everyone say, our words are powerful. And today I believe, how many of you believe it's God's will for people to be born again? You don't have to pray about that, do you? God loves everybody, right? He loves the Samaritans. He loved an immoral woman. You know, he didn't have the, the, you know, he, he's, he's digging the bottom of the social barrel right here, right here. He's starting at the bottom and he said, Hey, hey, this is where I'll begin. This is who I care about. I care about everybody, but I want you disciples to know that, Hey, wherever you are, it's harvest time. Samaria, it's harvest time. Beaumont, it's harvest time. Lumberton, it's harvest time. Vider, how many of you know it's harvest time in Vider? Sour Lake, it's harvest time. It's harvest time all over the world, amen? And our words can either undermine or underline the will of God for our lives. I want to give you some thoughts, some generic thoughts about your words. It'll help you in every area of your life. But we're going to come back to the thought of harvest in a moment. You know this, but I have to say it today. Our words can hurt. You know what we used to say when we were kids. Y'all want to say it together? You know what we used to say when we were kids? How many of you know what we used to say when we were kids? Let's all say it together and say it like a little kid. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so not true. Everybody say not. Let me just say this to you today. Let's do this. Hey, we're all family here. How many of you have been devastated by the power of somebody's words? Hurt you tremendously. And what do you have to do? You have to forgive. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, how many of you, no, I won't ask you, how many of you have devastated other people with your words? We all have. We know the power of our words. We know our words can hurt. And it's amazing to me that the first thing Jesus told his disciples was not pull out the four spiritual laws and quote John three sixteen and get the Roman road down. The first thing he said about the Samaritans, don't you undermine what I want to do with your words. Don't you hurt what's going to happen here. But our words can hurt. In fact, let me just throw this out to you. Let me just, and, and I'm going to give you a way to do this today, but, but let me just throw this out. Hey, when you want to say something in a, in a scenario that could be potentially conflicting, I don't know if anybody ever's ever, ever had conflict with others, but hey, Ask yourself, before you say what you're going to say, you say, is this going to hurt or help? Everybody ask that out loud. Is this going to hurt or help? In other words, put a filter on your tongue that uh, that says, hey, before I say this, is it going to hurt or help? If it's going to hurt, I am not going to say it unless I'm just out to hurt somebody with my words. 
Put a filter on your tongue. I'm going to help you do that in just a moment. I love what Robert Morris said a number of years ago. A few years ago, he talked about the power of the tongue. He did a series on the tongue. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, uh, you know, there are people, uh, there are different kinds of people when it comes to uh, your words. It says it's those people who think before they speak. That's what I just told you to do. Before you say something, think, is this going to help or hurt? If it's going to hurt, I'm not going to say it because my words are powerful. Everybody say, is this going to help or hurt? Man, that's where we all need to be, those who think before they speak. Now, here's where a lot of us go to. It's not those who think before they speak. They think while they speak. We think we're creative when we do that. Man, I can think on my feet and I can talk while I'm thinking. And and sometimes we can get by, but how many of you know, I have a, a, as a pastor, a lot of times I think while I speak and it can be good and it can be not so good. I've said some things from the pulpit I've had to apologize the next Sunday for because I was thinking while I was speaking. And some of the things that I thought, let me just say, let me just throw this out to you. This might be a novel thought for some of you. Everything that comes in your head should not come out your mouth. Come on, give him some praise. In fact, let's all say that together. It's not up here. See, I'm thinking while I'm speaking. Here we go. We're going to say this. Everything that comes in my head should not come out my mouth. Here we go. Everything that comes into my head should not come out of my mouth. Just because it came into your head doesn't mean it's supposed to come out of your mouth. So our words can hurt. So there's the people who think before they speak. That's what Robert Morris said. There's the people who think while they speak. And then, oh, it's getting worse. There's some who think uh, uh, before, they speak before they think. Have you ever done that? I've done it. We said it and then we go, golly. You want to just go out and, you know, and get back to the future and somehow go back and change what you said. Why did I say? Those who speak before they think. So here we go. The highest level is those who think before they speak, those who speak while they think or think while they speak, and then those who speak before they think. You don't want to do that. And then Robert Morris said there's one more. There's just some that never think, they just speak. (laughs) I don't know if that's you or not. But we've got to understand our words can hurt. And I think that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples there. He said, now listen, I know this is uncomfortable for you. I know there's a, pardon me, there's a loose woman in the midst of a bunch of men. I know you're nervous about that. Think about that. Be careful, little words, what you say. I know we're close to that town. Your mom and daddy told you don't ever go there, son. But be careful, little words, what you say, because I've got an appointment in Samaria. Everybody's pressure. So Jesus knew our words can hurt. Number two, the positive side, our words can heal. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The power of words can bring healing to the heart. In fact, Psalm 107.20 says this, He, that's speaking of God, sent His Word and healed them. He sent His Word and healed them. Let me tell you something. He said, well, that's His words. Listen, we can speak His words and they have the same power as when He spoke His words. Our words can heal situations. How about this? Would you please forgive me? Those are healing words. I love you. Those are healing words. I'm so sorry. 
I said what I said or did what I did. Words can heal. And let me just stop and get up all in your business just for a second. Did you know some of you are only a few words away from relationships being totally healed? Now, I'm not, hey, I don't know what's going on in your world, but let me tell you something. If there's something you need to say to bring healing to to a conflict, you better start saying it. You better behold, you better underscore the power of your words and begin to choose some words wisely and rightly and begin to speak the healing words and, and, and just let God begin to heal those relationships. Listen, we're talking about evangelism and outreach. Listen, some of us, the first thing we may need to do in, in order to reach out to somebody, we might need to get right with somebody and begin to heal that relationship. I've got a couple of relationships that not, uh, I don't think I've been a, a, a it's just kind of odd. I won't go into it. But the other day, and in fact, it can begin, hey, I think face-to-face is the best, but how I cross the bridge sometimes is I send a text. I sent a text to a couple of, uh, uh, of people, and I just said, hey, how are you guys doing today? I opened a door. And that door began to open, and then it opened another door, and back and forth, and, 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 and words began to come. And so the next step for me is, hey, I'm going to call, I'm going to touch, I'm going to help, I'm going to heal. Hey, everybody say, our words can heal. That's where it may begin. And then number three, our words can help. It can help people's lives and their situations. I love Job 22, 29. It says this. This is the, I think it's the New Living Translation. If people are in trouble, now catch this. You, you might want to write Job 22, 29 down and look at it later, especially the New Living Translation. If people are in trouble and you say, help them, God will save them. Did, did you hear that? If people are, anybody know anybody in trouble? And it sounds like a prayer to me. I haven't delved off into the scripture much, but it's, if you say, God help them, you speak it out. Your words help them, help them, help them. Or maybe, maybe it's this way. Hey, we got to help them. Maybe it's more than just our words. Maybe there's an action behind it. God will save them. It's the power of words to help other people. I love 1 Thessalonians 4.18. He said, comfort one another with these words. With what you say, you help others. Your words are powerful. You know, I've been a pastor for a long time, and I've been in situations where I know my words, and from a natural perspective, don't help a lot. When people have lost loved ones and tragedies have hit their world, and we think, well, you know, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. Let me just tell you something. That doesn't mean you should say nothing. It means you need to stir something up on the inside and come up with something on the inside and get a word of the Lord on the inside and begin to speak a blessing and a healing word and a helping word to somebody. Hey, don't throw out a cliche. That we, how many of you know all the cliches? Here's one. Well, I'll pray for you. I'll be praying for you. Here's another one. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on the edge, so don't be offended. We're so sorry for your loss. Really? 
or is that just a cliche? Think about a word. You know, I'm careful anymore. I'm, hey, I'm not going to throw out a cliche. I threw out a cliche to my friend Matt Bell, whose daddy, he tried to do CPR on his daddy, who he loved with all his heart, right at the, in the middle of church, trying to raise his daddy from the dead. And I threw out a cliche. I didn't realize it was. I said, well, Matt, I don't understand. We're just going to have to have faith. He said, Pastor Sam, I was having faith when I was speaking life over his dead body. Don't tell me that. I went, okay, I'm learning something. Dig down and find something that helps. Our words can help. They can hurt. They can heal. And they can help. Are you with me? Say amen. And then number four, let me just say this. You need to understand this. Our words reveal some things. They reveal what's on the inside of our hearts. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, out of the abundance of the what? Heart. The What happens? The mouth speaks. So you need to understand the power of our words. When we say things, you ever heard anybody, you, you, oh, you, well, let's just put it on ourselves. You say something to somebody and they take offense to it and you say, oh, I didn't mean that. Well, yeah, you did. It came out of your mouth. I No, 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 I didn't mean that. Well, yes, you did. It came out of your mouth. It was in your heart. Like we have no, like our tongue just is by itself says things that are not connected to what's in our heart. And our words are powerful. Jesus knew that. He knew he was on the verge of a great outpouring of evangelism and outreach. The first thing he said to his disciples, don't you mess this up with your words. In fact, if you wanted to kind of read between the lines, Shut up. Sounds a little better the way he said it. Don't say. <laughs> Don't mess this up with your words. Behold, I say to you, it's harvest. Look, here it comes. It's harvest time. Everybody say it's harvest time. Now, I want to talk to you about empowering your words for harvest. Let's bring it back. I want to, uh, because we can, we can, uh, we can, we can get a hold of what's going on on the inside of our life and with our words. Number one, we need to yield our hearts to the word of God. Now, I want you to turn over to Job. Against your better judgment, turn over to Job. Take a big left because we're going to go back here. In fact, I've got a message brewing uh, from this passage of scripture right here. Job chapter 22. I want you to see this. Job 22. Do I hear those pages turning? I hope so. Job 22. He says this, verse 21. Now acquaint, now I'm, I'm going to try not to preach from this verse. I'm just going to show you the verse because I, yeah, I love this. Now acquaint yourself with him, speaking of God, and be at peace. Thereby, catch this promise, good will come to you. I got a message on that. Maybe next, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. We'll see. And then he says this, receive, please, instruction from his mouth. Lay up his words in your heart. Everybody say, lay up his words in your heart. If you want to empower your words for harvest, you've got to let his word be made manifest in your life and begin to em empower your life by, by laying up his word in your heart. In fact, it'll help you in a lot of ways. David said this, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
And if you want to empower your words for harvest, we've got to begin to lay his word in our heart. Let me just throw this out to you. Let me just declare to you this. This is a good place to start. We'll talk about it more. Hey, learn what it means to be born again. Learn how to communicate what it means to be born again. Learn how to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Hey, hey, get that down in your heart and you say, well, tell me. Hey, I'll tell you later, but I'm just telling you right now, you've got some things, we got some work to do because if we're going out into the harvest field, we better have words to say that bring life and health and healing in people's life. Get the Word of God in your heart. We're going to have some training, some things going on in January that will help you get the Word of God in your heart. You can start today. Yield our hearts to the Word of God. Hey, how many of you know the Bible also says guard your heart? Don't let other things in. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. In other words, you, 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 we need to take care of what we allow in because that defects what goes out. If we let all kinds of garbage in, what's it going to be? Garbage out. If we, if we let the, a little word in and a lot of garbage, guess what? We're going to get a, a lot of garbage out and a little word. And in this season of harvest and increase and, and, and evangelism, we need a lot of word and less and less garbage day by day. Are you with me? Say amen. So we guard our hearts. And then number two, we guard our ears. Everybody say, be careful, little ears, what you hear. You guard your ears. There's some things that you and I don't need to listen to. We don't need to hear. We need to cover our ears in a sense because understand something, our eyes and our ears are the gateway to our hearts. And if what we speak comes out of our hearts, we've got to govern what comes in our hearts. And so we guard our ears, and I guess I could say our eyes as well, and a lot of other things. But catch this, Job 34.3 says, For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. In other words, we've got to, our ears have to have a filter on them as well and say, No, I'm not listening to that. No, that's not any good. Oh, yes, it is good. As you taste, you ever taste something that you go, Hmm. Like bluebell, you know. You know, I've never met a, I've never tasted a flavor of bluebell that I despised. I think it's impossible. You can try, you can test me. But he says, hey, this is what Job 34 says. Let your ears be that way. When you start hearing things, "Uh, that don't taste right. I'm not listening to that. I'm moving on. I'm not letting that in my heart. It's kind of like gossip. Yeah, I know y'all have never gossiped, but you, anybody know a gossiper? You, nobody, oh, y'all are afraid. Any, anybody in this room you know is a gossiper? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing with you. Hey, that, that, you got to, what are you, when you know that, the, hey, this is gossip. I've had people tell me, you know, pastor, could I talk to you about so-and-so? Maybe a ministerial friend. I'd say, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, and they start, I said, wait, I'll do this. Wait a minute. Hold that, hold that thought. I know that fella. In fact, he's in my address book. Why don't we set up a meeting and all of us and talk about him together? Oh, no, 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 no. I just want you to pray for him. No, I'm not listening to your garbage. I will help you be a part of a resolution to a offense. 
Be careful, little ears, what you hear. See, if we're going to empower words for harvest, we've got to take charge of what goes in our hearts and what we let in. And we've got to, we've got to saturate our hearts with the word of God and guard our hearts, guard our ears, guard our eyes from things that would try to undermine the purpose of God and the harvest of God in our life. And then number two, oh, this is going to be a tough one. Yield our tongues to the will of God for our life. Yield our tongues to the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, in James chapter two, it's really James chapter three. Uh, you know, no man can tame the tongue. Everybody say that. No man can tame the tongue. Man, with it, we bless our God and curse man. These things ought not to be. It's like bitter water and sweet. No man can tame the tongue. You are right, but the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit come on upon you. In fact, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. To begin to control what comes out of our mouth. And one of the ways, hey, you do that is yield your heart to the control and influence of the Holy Spirit and fill your life up with the Holy Spirit and it'll affect what comes out of your mouth. Amen. We've got to empower our tongues for the harvest. Are you with me? Now, let me close. Let me, let me bring it back to harvest real strong. John 4.35, what was he saying to his disciples? It's harvest time. Look, here they come. It's harvest time. It's about the harvest. It's about people. Listen, and let me tell you something about harvest time. It's a time for joy. Everybody say amen. Woo, we love harvest time. We love the joy of harvest. But listen, it's a time for work. It's a time for focus. It's a time for sacrifice. It's a time for us to buckle down and realize, man, it's harvest time. How many of you know the harvest just doesn't jump off the, the vine or jump off the, 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 the stalk and, 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 and travel into the barn and, and make its way all bundled and ready, uh, for, for the, for the taking? No, it takes work. It takes focus. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes sacrifice, but I promise you something, there will be great joy. In fact, what did Jesus say? He said, heaven rejoices over one sheep that comes home, one sinner who makes it home. It's harvest time. And so here's what we need to do. This is what I'm calling us to do for the next couple of days. Number one, begin to pray really the next couple of years. I'll say that pray for the harvest. And proclaim the harvest. Everyone say, proclaim the harvest. Look in Isaiah 43. I'm about done. It's not even noon. I'm going to be done in just a second. I want to show you this. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 43. I want you to begin to use this. We've done this some here at the church. And I want you to begin to use this in your life with the harvest of God. Isaiah 43, verse 4. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. And I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I've formed him. Yes, I've made him. Did you catch that? He said, say to the north, give up. And say to the south, hold not back. In other words, the power of our words proclaiming the harvest. For those of you that gathered in the altar a few moments ago, you can begin to declare over them that they are coming home to Christ. You can begin to declare over those who are struggling with drug addiction, God's delivering them. 
and they're coming to a place of clarity and cleanness and wholeness. You can begin to speak over those who are, who are running from God and living in moral life that, that the light's going to come on and they're going to come to Christ and cry out to Him and be born again and ask Him to forgive them of all their sins. You can begin to declare that. Begin to proclaim the harvest and say, come on home. I'm speaking to the north, south, east, and west. Give up the harvest of God. Then we pray for laborers in the harvest. Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 1 and 2, He said, pray that the Lord would send out laborers into the field. And I'm here today on the last Sunday of November. Now four Sundays away from the new year, I'm declaring that we would begin to pray for the harvest. We begin to proclaim the harvest and saturate the spiritual atmosphere around those who are lost and without Christ, those who are wayward, those who, are, who have lost their way. Our words are powerful. They can heal and help. How many of you in your heart of hearts, you say, that's what I want to be. I want to be a harvester who has words that heal and help and bring wholeness into people's lives. Let's stand together this morning. And just these next couple of moments, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And let me just say this. If, if you're in conflict with God and man, that's where you need to begin. You need to begin to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be right with you and right with others. It's hard to do the will of God when you're out of the will of God. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass anyone here today. It's not my intent. But if you're here today and you've got an issue with someone and it's got you hung up, you, and, and let me just say, if that's the case, you've also got an issue with God. And you need to work through that. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and say, that's me, preacher. I've I got to work through this. i got some issues. I see those hands. You put them down. It's okay. That's where it begins. Don't let that in. Don't undermine God's purpose and plan for their life by letting these issues undermine His plan for their life. So first thing we're going to do as we close, we're just going to give them to God. And we're going to say, God, I forgive them. And then we're going to ask Him to give us grace to help bring healing and wholeness to that relationship. Father, I want everyone here who lifted your hands just to say, Lord, I choose to forgive. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be bitter. I ask you to cleanse my heart of unforgiveness and bitterness anger, resentment cleanse my heart Lord and if there's anything I want everybody to say if there's anything in my heart that would hinder and undermine the will of God for the harvest Lord cleanse it out of our life